Well, would you please get one of the copies of God's Word, the Bible, and open up to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3. This year, as Linda mentioned, York has uh, celebrated his 150th birthday, and this year, York has asked a question. What's your why? And I have, ever since I heard that question, I've loved it. I've loved the idea of it, because that's where we are as a church. What are we here for in York as York Evangelical Free Church? What are we to do? What's our why for York? See, the past three weeks, we have been ramping up to read the whole New Testament together as a church, and we've been in a sermon series called Hearing His Voice, focusing on the who, what, where, when, and this week, why of the Word of God, the Bible. And I believe, and I think you believe as well, that one of our whys as a church in York and this has been found a foundational why for the church across the centuries, is that the voice of God, the revelation of God, the revelation of God for salvation in Jesus Christ to sinful humanity given to us in the Bible is the most needed voice for humanity to hear across the world and here in York and the surrounding region. So here's our question. Why is God's voice needed? Why don't we just do our own thing? Why do we need to hear God's voice? Why is this Bible needed? Well, this book is needed because we, as, per, as people, are faced with immense questions, and questions that if you ask them by what you see day to day on the news, you will see that a lot of people are really struggling to answer these. These questions are, who are we? Why are we here? Where do we come from? What are we made for? Where are we going? And God has a purpose for writing that answers those questions and calls us to look even higher. God proclaims through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 55, verse 10 through 11, he says, For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So today, would you stand with me as we read God's Word and seek to discover some of that purpose today? 2 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 10 this morning all the way through verse 17. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from all of them the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. 
But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You can have a seat. God speaks his word on purpose. He is intentional in his revelation. And he wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to me and to the church here in York and around the world to accomplish his purposes. So why does he speak? Number one, God speaks to protect. We read in verse 12, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. God speaks to protect his people from falsehood. A loving father speaks to his children to protect them. False doctrine, false ways of living, false Christs, these are not new concepts for the people of God. Paul was dealing with these in his day, and we are dealing with the same in our day. And he says just a little bit later in this letter, he says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. But God gives his word, which is true, to protect us. We are protected in an ultimate sense from lies, in the sense sense by salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. But God also wants to keep us from what is false in the day-to-day. so that we can run with the truth in the great race of the Christian life. And here Paul says that we have a part to play in that. But as for you, he's writing to a disciple of Christ, Timothy, as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. God's protection from falsehood is available to us if we will continue in the truth of God's word. And that also means that God speaks to protect truth. Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. What he speaks is reality. He knows exactly what reality is. God is ultimate reality. And he has made everything else that exists in his reality. And he tells us that it was he who made the heavens and the earth to whom we are accountable He tells us that we are made as those who are the image of God, the most valuable and important of his creation, who are purposed to display to the world that it is the glorious and good God who rules over his creation. He also tells us that we have marred that image in sinning. And we need protection of that truth because 
of ourselves, we will try to deny it. And there are many people today who want to think or don't think that there is such a thing as sin. But he also tells us that he has worked the way of salvation for us to free us from our sins, remove his wrath from us, to give us new hearts by sacrificing his very heart, his one and only son on the cross, in rescue. He tells us that in his word. He tells us, his adopted children who believe in his son, to make disciples of all nations with this message that God would reestablish perfection in his image bearers. He tells us also in this book that his Holy Spirit transforms how we love one another. <laughs> he tells us that we can love one another in Christ. And that now through Christ we can continue to love one another. He speaks to protect truth. Falsehoods can creep upon us as the people of God. Preachers and Christians for centuries have rightly spoken against the falsehoods of the Pharisees. You might be familiar with them. Opponents of Jesus who knew their Bibles such that they could quote huge passages from memory, but when the Messiah whom the Scriptures pointed to showed up, they rejected him. And they rejected who he associated with. Legalism was the name of their game. They made minors major and majors minor in the teachings of God. And this is some of the mindset that crucified Christ. We should reject, as the church, that way of thinking. It is deception. But there's also another deception. The tendency in some churches particularly in the American church, has been to respond to the false way of the Pharisees with an equally false approach to God, believing that because we're to know him, we're to know a person, that we can hear Jesus and know Jesus better with our Bibles shut than open. Just me and Jesus, however I want to think about him. How do you know that you're with Jesus if you don't know who his word says he is? Many falsely believe that the knowledge of Scripture necessarily makes one a Pharisee rather than a child of God. That the knowledge of Scripture makes one like Satan rather than Christ. But what is the difference between Satan, the unbelieving Pharisee, and the Christian? Is it Scripture that's the problem? No. The problem is that, this, as that Satan and the Pharisee read the Bible and do not come to Jesus. They know what it says and they despise God's speaking. So too does the person who does not open or listen to the Word of God and says they really know Jesus. But the Christian, the one who trusts in the true Lord Jesus, opens the word of God and comes to him and keeps coming to him because he is the word of life. They come to know more of him, who he is and what he has for them and how much he loves them, 
how much he loves us. We are to love every word from the mouth of God because all of them lead us to him. Someone who does not trust the Jesus of the Bible is the most vulnerable person in the world to foolish and destructive beliefs. But God speaks to protect us. And in protecting, God, a loving God and Father, also provides. Number two, God speaks to provide. Continue in what you have learned, verse 14, and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God. When we open this book, when we hear the word of God preached, when we sing verses of scripture, when we speak or even text the words of the Bible to each other, do we believe that God is a providing God? Do we believe that he wants to give us that which is for our good and for our benefit? In the first, he gives us the record of Jesus Christ, his son, of his perfect life, his sacrificial death, and his world-changing redemption and resurrection. He provides us in his word the way to receive that salvation. What, is the works of God? what are the works of God we're to be doing, the crowd asked Jesus, and he says, this is the work that God requires, that you Believe. You believe the Son and Him who sent Him. He also gives us the record of that plan of redemption. It didn't just start when Jesus showed up on the, on the earth. No, it, this was from before the foundations of the earth and it's, it was, it's highlighted in the work of Adam and Eve and he did it through the Hebrew people all the way back to Abraham a pagan moon worshiper from Babylon of all places whom God saved to bring about the people of Israel through whom he brought about his promised Messiah. And we know that record as our Old Testament where God works to set the stage through the most unlikely of people of Israel to bring his promised Messiah, his Savior, to his people both Jew and Gentile. He provides the way to make one wise for salvation in Christ Jesus. As we've been reading this passage a lot these past four weeks, and I noticed something in this text. Paul is writing this to Timothy, who is already saved. And Paul says, which are able to make you, he specifically says you, make you wise for salvation. He uses a present tense, a sense of an ongoing process which lines up with continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. This tells us that God speaks to provide salvation past, where we were rescued by God from our sins and from his wrath, regenerated by the Holy Spirit, trusting the Lord by faith, receiving his imputed righteousness, and being given the Holy Spirit, Scripture speaks of that salvation past as justification, 
We are made right before God because of Jesus. But there is an amazing truth is that salvation is not just one and done. We're not saved and then to live like the devil for the rest of our lives, destroying ourselves and destroying others. That's not what God's plan for us is. What kind of salvation would that be? Now Paul tells Timothy that the Word of God, Old and New Testaments, are able to make us wise for salvation. That means those of us who have trusted Jesus Christ are being saved. Scripture calls this sanctification. Whereas Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 through 17, it says, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. God is providing renewal each day of our lives as we walk by faith in him. And he sanctifies us by providing his word for our profit, for our benefit. Again, God doesn't just want us to receive salvation and then stagnate and flatline for the rest of our lives. He wants us to grow and mature and grow up. And yes, some days that may not seem as fun as other days for the Christian. Let's just acknowledge that straight out of the gate. Paul was persecuted and said that anyone who desires to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That doesn't sound like fun. It's in those times and all others that we need to understand that God intends things and intends our word to be heard for our benefit, for our profit. God says through Paul that he gives scriptures as profitable for teaching. This is verse 16. Profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. These are things that a loving Heavenly Father wants and desires for his children. It's not just keep believing them. It's an active pursuit to learn more of God and his ways, to grow up complete, equipped for every good work. The American Bible Society released this year their findings that only 9% of Americans read their Bible on a daily basis. Did you hear that? 9%. So 91% don't read their Bibles on a daily basis. And it's the lowest percentage in a decade. So it should come to us as no surprise as to why we're in the spot we're in as a nation. Where there's a dearth of the Word of God, we should not be surprised. And what's really going on? Because what really is going on is that people don't believe that God wants to provide for them through his word. So the question for each of us, myself and for you today, is do you believe that God wants you to be provided for in his word? Do you open this Bible or do you look at it with the understanding that he wants to bless you and benefit you that he wants to provide for what you need. Do you believe that as believe as Jesus says that man does not live by bread alone? Bread being something we eat almost on a daily basis, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
God speaks to protect and provide for us. But these are not just ends in themselves. They have a destination. God speaks his word on purpose, and he says his word will succeed in the thing for which he purposes it. Protection, provision, and this destination. Number three, God speaks to prepare. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Ultimately, God prepares us for eternity. Our sanctification on this side of eternity does have an end point. Paul says in Philippians 1, verse 6, he says, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. We have justification, we have sanctification, and finally, one day, we will have glorification. I spoke a little bit about this last week, so we won't spend too much time here. But the question we need to answer, or what the question we need the answer to is this. Are we to be sitting on our hands, waiting for the return of Christ? God says, no! And he says it joyfully. He says, I have good works for you to do. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Ephesians 2, verse 10, we are told, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. How do we do that? He prepares us by his word. Here in 2 Timothy 3, God says that this God-breathed scripture that's profitable for teaching, reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness is so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And contextually, it can mean leaders in the church, men of God. Contextually, it also means men and women of the people of God. So let's work this backward. Equipped for every good work. Well, what are good works? <laughs> Has anybody ever wondered about, puzzled about that question? Well, first, we need to say that good works are not what saves us. Okay, we are not saved by any working of our own, but the trusting of Christ's finished work for us. But as we are saved, we are to live doing good out of that new life that he has given to us, that he has brought about for us. And this doing good is obedience to God. And God tells us these in his word. I think we all know this, okay? I think we all know this, but there are still commands given in the New Testament to God's people. Commands are not an, just an Old Testament thing. There are commands given in the New Testament. And obeying God's commands is not legalism. Adding to his commands is legalism. We've been commanded to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love your neighbor as yourself, to care for orphans and widows, to love one another, to flee sexual immorality, to give thanks to God in all circumstances, to speak the truth in love, to cast our cares upon the Lord for he cares for us, to confess our sins, to do whatever we do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. 
walking by the Holy Spirit and bearing the good fruit of God's Spirit. God's Word prepares us for these. And His Word prepares us to persevere in these, that the man of God may be complete. This word complete is a sense in, in the sense of being prepared, ready to go. But as you all know, the journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step, but there's still a thousand miles to go. Once we get going, we are going to need to persevere. God, through virtually every human author in the, in the Bible, knows that our flesh, our dead sinful nature, works to oppose the works of God. And then we have external that the world does not encourage doing good in Jesus' name. And we have a third enemy that the devil prowls around, as Scripture says, like a roaring lion seeking, to someone, seeking someone to devour. We are called to persevere. That's why Paul exhorts Timothy, he says, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. That's why he exhorts Timothy that he has faithful witnesses. Verse 10, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness. And then back in verse 14, knowing from whom you learned it. And that's why Paul instructs and reminds Timothy that Scripture isn't man's words which will fade away, but it is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and for training in righteousness. Every day of our lives, and if you've been a Christian for a single day, you know this. Every day we are challenged to choose evil works of our flesh or good works born out of faith. God, in his word, prepares us to meet that challenge. And the challenge is not limited to just the inner wrestling as we walk, seek to walk by faith with Christ each day, putting to death what Paul says in Colossians 3, what is earthly in us, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And he says, instead, putting on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator, in verse 10. The challenge will come as well from hostility without from, what does he say here in 2 Timothy 3? He says, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. How did Paul prepare for persecution? How does Timothy, how is Timothy to prepare for persecution? Remember the word, Timothy. Look at the word. Hear God's voice, Timothy. Hear God's voice. Brit. Hear God's voice, Patrick. Hear God's voice, Rich. Hear God's voice, Bill. Hear God's voice, Zane. Maybe you guys are familiar. I hope you are, but if you're not, it's okay. Maybe you are familiar with the life of Corey Ten Boom, a Christian who lived in the Netherlands just as World War II was spreading across Europe. And the Nazis began the systematic killing of Jews in particular. 
and it eventually reached her door. And her story is found in this amazing book called The Hiding Place. If you haven't read it, read it. Such a good story. And at the beginning of this autobiography, Corey writes, talking about a celebration that they were having for her father. It was called The Grand Old Man of Harlem. And she wrote, It was a day for memories, a day for calling up the past. How could we have guessed as we sat there, two middle-aged spinsters and an old man, that in place of memories, we were about to be given adventure such as we had never dreamed of? Adventure and anguish, horror and heaven were just around the corner, and we did not know. See, she and her sister Betsy and her father helped hide and rescue an untold number of Jews escaping persecution, their systematic death from the Nazi hands. And they were eventually caught and arrested. Corey's sister would die diseased and starved to death next to her in a concentration camp. And her father would be thrown into an unmarked grave. How did they prepare? The Word of God. You see, Corey also records that from childhood, that was an awful lot like Timothy, the Word of God was in their home, on their lips. And even as they were tortured, bitten by lice and fleas in the diseased barracks, they read to each other the Word even as Betsy and others lay dying. And we might think, in 2020, that was a terrible time in World War II. It's awful. And Paul here living in the first century, it was so brutal there. He was stoned outside of Lystra. Those savages. But we've moved past this, Aaron. Have we? Have you seen, just in our country, much less the world, the rage and division that is coming up, boiling over the, call, over the pot? Have you seen the guns being leveled at Christianity who call people to a life where they are not defined by animal instincts or self-realization or identity politics, but are defined by their creator who did not make any mistake in making each one of us. Guns leveled at Christianity who call people to God's good design of human life from conception and his good design of the marriage covenant who call people to treat one another, whether black, white, brown, or any skin hue, as people who bear the image, not of people, of God. These and others whisper and shout, there is a gathering storm, that we on the plains of the Midwest are not immune to. We do not know what tomorrow will bring. I have desires. I have dreams. I have dreams for this church. But they are not strong enough to prepare us 
to, or see us through for what God has for us. What is? Only the voice of Christ Jesus revealed in the Scriptures is strong enough to see me and you through if tomorrow God lovingly places all of our dreams on the altar. Only the Word of God can prepare you. Only the Word of God can help you to continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed that you may be complete, equipped for every good work, no matter the season. Listen to His Word. Listen to your Father. He speaks to prepare you. To prepare us, he speaks his word on purpose. And his purpose is to magnify his beloved son to the world whom he gave in love to a world as dying, dead in its trespasses and sins. His purpose is to see his beloved children through. His purpose is to protect to provide, and to prepare. That's why we read God's Word. That's why we preach it. That's why we teach it. That's why we love each other with it. That's why we live day after day with it. That's why we tell our neighbors it. Because it's not our words that pass away. It's God's voice. This is one of our great whys for York. God has done so much good here for the last 150 years. Praise him for that. But he has more. He has more. And he wants to use you and me, his church, along with our brothers and sisters in this city who believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to bring his life-giving word, the Bible which reveals his son, to the many ears and hearts in this city who have not yet heard it. And he wants to do it through his children who heed his voice and who are made complete, equipped for every good work for his purpose.